Well, that was wonderful. I enjoyed that. Hope we have more of that in the future. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. This week is Thanksgiving week, so I have been thinking much about being thankful. And so this will be a Thanksgiving message, I hope. And my hope and my desire is that it gets us all thinking more about what we're thankful for. You know, it's so easy to take life for granted, take things that we have for granted, <clears throat> and lose sight of the fact that we should be grateful, that we should be thankful for some of what we consider the, th- the simple things of life. And it's not usually until we have an experience one time or another in our life till we really come to appreciate what we have. And we're reminded of that by our memory. Simple things, like taking a shower. I can remember when I was in the north of Brazil, they didn't have hot showers, it was cold showers. And you might think, well, that's great in the tropics, but in the early morning hours, it is a little chilly, and when you needed to take a shower, you'd have to bear with it there for, and cringe. And so when I get up this morning, and it's cold outside, and I turn on that hot water, I'm thinking, wow. It's nice to have hot water, and I'm thankful for it. As a matter of fact, I can remember a time where to go to the restroom, you went out back in a person's house, and there was an outhouse in the backyard. They didn't have an indoor bathroom. We have indoor bathrooms. We have so much available to us, and we just take it for granted. And so we're going to think about that a little bit, things we take for granted. At the end, I have some slides that I want to show you, and hopefully that We're just going to show the slides at the end, just 20 slides, give you a moment to see each one and think about what they mean to you, and hopefully they'll bring to your mind something you're thankful for. Okay, They're ordinary things, but we want to talk about more important things first, because I think we should get our priorities straight, and so we're going to go to the scriptures, and we're going to see um, that for which we should truly be grateful as we read in Luke chapter 17. We're going to read about lepers, men that had leprosy, and uh, the healing of ten of them. Many of you know the story. We're going to read through the story, and we're going to think about what it must have been like to be a leper. Now, I pulled up pictures on the Internet, and they're pictures I, quite frankly, couldn't show here this morning. It would upset too many people. It must have been tremendously discouraging to be a man with leprosy in that time. We find that Jesus heals in the New Testament. Jesus was a healer. And you would expect that God come to earth in the flesh to be a healer because he loves his creatures. He loves you and he loves me. And so his heart is touched when he sees people suffering. And if any time in your life you've suffered, it has not gone unnoticed by the Lord. The Lord healed the lepers, he healed the blind, he healed the lame, he healed the deaf, he even raised the dead. And it wasn't, or it didn't take long in my Christian life before I made the connection. I can remember when I did, it was during the worship service at Fairhaven of Breaking of Bread, maybe my second or third Breaking of Bread, and I stood up and I shared, because the Lord opened my eyes to see that in a very real way, I was the blind. I was the lame. I was the deaf. I was the leper. I was the dead. And well, you might ask, well, what do you mean by that? 
Well, you see, the Bible, in the New Testament, we read about things that Jesus did, and they have spiritual significance. They're spiritual lessons. And I know those here that know the Lord will know exactly what I'm talking about. But there are, here, there are people here that don't know the Lord. And it's sort of like this. The Lord is wonderful. He's marvelous, and He wants to give us eternal life. He wants to give you forgiveness of your sins, eternal life with Himself. And we're going to think about being thankful for what He's done. And there are many unsaved people that are aware of what Jesus has done. But it's sort of like when I was a little kid. I remember a lot of things from when I was a little kid, and I used to want to please my mom. Sometimes it seems as though she was hard to please. And she, she was a great cook. Not as good as my wife, but she was a good cook. <laughs> and I, I, I would taste it, and I'd say, Mom, this was very good. This is very good. And I was hoping to bring a smile to her face, and she would say, well, then eat it. And that might seem harsh to you, but to her it wasn't harsh. Because you know what she was saying? She was saying, if you believe it's good, then you'll eat it. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you how you'll show me it's good. Ask for seconds. And if you know me, you know that's what, the way I live. If, I, if you have me over and you invite me for a meal and I ask for seconds, that means I really like it. One, because I like to eat, but two, because my mom, that's, that's the way she saw things. And so you might be thankful for how good the Lord is. You might be thankful for what he's given you and those things we generally take for granted and your thoughts are going to be brought to those things this morning. But you know what the Lord says? If I'm so good, then try me. If I'm so good, then taste of me. If what I have is so good to offer, then why don't you accept it? And so we're going to think about that. There are people here that might not relate to what I'm talking about because they haven't accepted it. It's like telling my mom your food's great, but you didn't even taste it. Well, you can smell it's good, but you didn't taste it. And if you really think it's good, you'll eat it. And you'll eat the whole plate. And you'll ask for seconds. And then my mom, that's when a smile came on her face, because that's when she knew he likes it. So let's think about this. How was I the blind? Right before we get into this, this story. Before I knew the Lord... I couldn't see into spiritual things. I could listen to stories, but they didn't mean anything to me spiritually. I was blind. I couldn't see the meaning of Scripture. I even tried to read the Bible. I don't know if you've ever tried to read the Bible before. If you don't know the Lord, you might be like I was, and I'd picked the Bible up two times in my life before I knew the Lord, and I started reading, and it didn't make sense to me. So I just put it on the shelf thinking, well, one day when I get old, maybe it'll make sense then. I was blind to the truth in the Word of God. It's because I really wasn't open to hearing what it had to say. I was deaf. There were times, I'm sure, where the Lord drew near to me in my life that I just was not listening. I was deaf to the call of God. Perhaps you've been that way in your life at various times. I was crippled, lame. I couldn't walk for God if I wanted to. All my walking in this life was for myself and to please myself. But what really touched me is this issue here, leprosy. Because leprosy is a very ugly and disfiguring disease. If you've ever seen someone with a bad case of leprosy, like you get up on the internet and you look at some of those, it causes you to just pull back. 
and it's repulsive. Um, you pity a person that has that. And I came to realize in my life that I was the one with leprosy. In the eyes of God, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean, sin? I ask people a lot, are you a sinner? And they say yes, but do they believe that they're that ugly and repulsive in the sight of a holy God? I didn't until I came to know Him. And so as we read this story, you'll have to excuse me if I draw in the spiritual parallel. And if you know what I mean, I know I'll see a smile on your face and it might be strange to you, but if it is, I want to remind you, it's because you have not tasted of the eternal life that He's offered. It's because you have not perhaps heard Him. It's perhaps you can't see into these things. And my prayer is that the Lord will make a visit in your heart this morning and open your eyes so that you can see. And you might see that He is offering you to taste of Him today. So let's read this, this, uh, this portion. Luke chapter 11, or chapter 17, starting in verse 11. And it came about when He, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, was on the way to Jerusalem, that He was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. Okay, so we talked a little bit about leprosy. Now in that society, a man with leprosy was an outcast. He didn't live among the people. There was a place where he lived that was set apart, outside, away. It's someone that you would not want to go visit. And there were certain rules in the Old Testament that when someone had leprosy, he had to hold his hand over his mouth as he walked. And he had to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! So that people would know and they would keep away from him. Keep on the other side of the street. So he would have a real sense of rejection. He would feel isolated and lonely. Oftentimes how a person feels that doesn't know the Lord. Isolated. Lonely. He was an outcast from society. And yet he had ten. There were, they were ten, so he had nine friends. <laughs> what do you think it's like being an outcast? What do you think it's like being someone in that situation? I think after a while you get used to it. You might not like it, but you get used to it. And the fact that you have nine other friends that are in the same boat brings some kind of comfort. Pretty soon you lose sight of the fact that you're different than anyone else. And you know that they're them, we're us. And you sort of live with it. Because there's nothing you can do about it. You get used to your own ugliness. Perhaps you get rid of the mirrors. You don't spend a whole lot of time looking how ugly you are. And you concentrate on things that perhaps are more enjoyable things that you do that are fun. After all, there's people around you that are just like you. No different. Yeah, we know far out there our people are different, but those are strangers. They can't relate to us. That's sort of how I was. That's how I lived. There were people that went to church and they were religious for whatever reason. I don't know. But they couldn't relate to my friends. They couldn't relate to me and I couldn't relate to them. And pretty much, I was satisfied with that. I didn't even want to change. I didn't know anything about them, but I didn't want to change. And so here's ten leprous men. Now, these ten leprous men who stood at distance, they heard that Jesus was coming to town. Now, what do you think was going on in their minds when they heard Jesus was coming to town? They had heard rumors that he heals people. 
Perhaps they even heard that he could heal a leper. I'm not sure. But there's, there arose in their heart a, a small glimmer of hope. There's something about this Jesus. And yet they had to overcome certain hurdles and prejudice in their own hearts to come to the place where they would want to meet him. After all, they were the outcast. And who cast them out? Wasn't it the, reli- the religious of society? Wasn't it the law of God that said, you separate, get out? That you had to cry out unclean? And so, in coming to Jesus, you have to overcome a certain amount of preconceived ideas what people that know Jesus are like, what Jesus is like. And you have to want to change. You have to want to be healed. You want to have to want eyesight. You have to want to walk. You have to want to be cleansed from the ugliness of your sins. Or you won't approach Jesus. Well, these ten men came to the place where, hey, let's, let's give it a try. Let's go meet him. Okay? So they met him. Now, I, I like how Scripture is phrased here because look at this. It says they stood at a distance and it says that they met him. Okay? Jesus entered a certain village and ten men who were leprous who stood at a distance, met him. It doesn't say they went out to meet him. They didn't say they sought he, that they sought him out. So you can take it both ways. Jesus was there for them. Jesus knew of their plight. Jesus went to that city to heal them. Specifically and individually, he went there for that reason. And at the same time, it required them to want to meet him. You can take it, you can look at it both ways. Both are required. And if you are here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, he's come out to meet you. Are you coming out to meet him? Are you staying afar off, turning away and saying, nah, not for me? Jesus loves you as he loved these. They raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They were approaching Jesus on the correct grounds. They were pleading for mercy. Have mercy on us, Master. You see, the ugliness that I had, the leprosy that I had, was the ugliness of my sins in the sight of a holy God. And these men knew of their condition. They knew they were lepers. And if you're here this morning and you don't believe that's your condition. You'll never come to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that you're that ugly in the sight of a holy God, your sins are that bad. If I could show you pictures of those lepers, you would cringe. You'd, you'd be repulsed. You'd say, oh, why did that preacher show us those pictures? They're going to haunt me all day long. I, my wife, I showed a picture. She you can't show that. I knew in my heart I couldn't, but it spoke so loudly. How must God view us in our sins? A holy and righteous God. If I don't believe I'm a leper, I won't come to Jesus for cleansing. If I don't believe I'm a sinner, I won't come to Him as a Savior. And yet He loves us. And that's why He's come. So that we might be saved from our sins. So that we might be cleansed of the ugliness of our sins. And that He might change us. And when He saw them... He said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. You see, Jesus saw them. Imagine that. In the multitude of people that were gathering around the Lord Jesus, ten individuals came 
then he came for them. And out of the hall of the multitude, he saw them. I knew the day that Jesus was offering me eternal life, that it was a personal invitation. And I hope you know that this morning, that Jesus sees you. And he's offering you cleansing from your sin, eternal life. If you just come to him. He saw them and he said to them, he spoke to them. And he said, go, show yourself to the priest. See, there was only two times a leper would go to a priest. One, when he was suspected to have leprosy and he would go to a priest to confirm it. Once it was confirmed, you're out. (laughs) You're out. But another one was when a leper was suspected to be cleansed of his leprosy. He would go to the priest and the priest would verify, you're cleansed. And so Jesus was saying, go show yourself to the priest. So the indication there was that they were going to be healed. That they were going to be changed. That when they got to the priest, the priest was going to declare them, you're clean. No longer an outcast of society. No longer ugly in the sight of others. No longer cast out, but embraced. And I will tell you, I know that feeling. It's the feeling one has when one knows that one is forgiven of their sins and that God has embraced them as a son and no longer one to be judged. To have a new family, the family of God, to know that you belong because God has brought you into the fold. That's what the feeling is to be declared clean. And that's what God wants you to know if you don't know him. And so, what was required for them to go? A skeptical heart? Ah, that'll never happen. No, that's for others, not for us. No, in going, they showed they believed. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. They believed that would happen. And they went on their way. And it came about that as they were going, they were cleansed. In obedience, they showed their faith, and along the way, they were cleansed. Changed. Wow. Has that ever happened? Did they ever have a hope like that before? No. No hope. Their situation was hopeless. As hopeless as mine was when I was a sinner in the sight of God, a holy God, I found that I was hopeless and helpless. And I came to Jesus and he said, your sins are forgiven because I died on the cross to pay your penalty. Will you accept that? When I did, I remember when I did. And when I walked away from that spot, I, like, I felt like I was walking on air because such a load of guilt came off my shoulders. I knew that moment that if I were to die, I'd go to heaven because Jesus said I would because of what he did. That's what he wants us to know. And so you might say, why am I bringing this up? Because that is the biggest thing I'm grateful for. That's the number one thing I'm grateful for on my list. And if that was it, that's more than enough to be grateful for. You cannot compare to the gift of eternal life that God freely gives. And I know people in this room that have that gift. And that's the first thing they're grateful for. If you don't know him, nothing compares to that. And it's my desire, it's the Lord's desire, it's those that know him. It's their desire that you experience that same joy this Thanksgiving. That you can give true thanksgiving to God. For the gift that he's given. Eternal life. They were cleansed. They had great reason to rejoice. What went through their mind? All the things they could do now that they couldn't do before. 
Probably emotion overtook them and they wept with joy. What did that mean? This bond of ten friends that went through it thick and thin and now delivered. And yet there was going to be a parting of the ways. Now one of them, one, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, we're not, we're not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found who turned back to give glory to God except this foreigner? You see, that's the last person the Jews, the religious Jews, would have expected that of because there was a rift between the Samaritans and the Jews. The, Jews were cons- or the Samaritans were considered a half-breed in the eyes of the Jews. And the Jews wouldn't even set their feet on the soil of the Samaritans. That's how bad it was. And so Jesus was making a point here. Out of the people that he expected to hear thanks, they weren't there. And the way he asked the question is interesting. We're not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? The nine, where are they? Perhaps they were too busy enjoying themselves in their newfound freedom. You see, this one individual went deeper in his thoughts. Who could cleanse from leprosy? There's something special about that Jesus. They called him master before. But only God could cleanse from leprosy. And he returned to give glory to God and give thanks. So that tells me a lot about giving thanks. For one, Jesus asked him the question, and I can read some things into that question. If I were that person, what I would understand by that was, why didn't you bring your friends? You see? The nine, where are they? When he turned back from the nine, they knew each other. They suffered together. They knew each other. They were friends. And he turned back to give thanks. Could he not convince one more of his friends to go with him? Hey, let's go give thanks. He healed us. And that reminds me that we should be doing that as Christians. Reminding one another to be grateful. To give thanks. To worship the Lord the way he's asked us to worship him. I I, I came to worship service this morning. And it's always a joy to worship the Lord because what we're doing is we're giving thanks. And I don't count numbers, but I will say one thing. When it comes to giving thanks on the Lord's Day at the service that we worship the Lord, I want to be counted there. I want to be there. If I'm the only one there, I do want to be there. Because of this this one story that Jesus told one out of ten return to give glory to God and give thanks. I think that's special to the Lord. And when he says, where are the nine? I think he's asking me, Eric, did you remind someone else how important it is? Did you remind someone else how good it is for them spiritually to be there? Did you encourage someone else to go with you to worship the Lord? That's the way I feel, that he's asking me through this. Is he worth it? Is he worthy? Yes, he is. I mean, look at this story. (laughs) If you were cleansed from leprosy, wouldn't you want to go back and give thanks? And yet nine, in seeing their friend turn back, and most likely knowing why he was turning back, they had better things to do. 
How sad. But so oftentimes we're like that in life. We take things for granted. We take the greatest blessing we have and oftentimes we forget about it. We put temporary joys before it. Was no one found who turned back to give glory to God except this foreigner? It gives glory to God when we thank Him. It says He is worthy. It says He is great. It says that He loves us and we love Him. He fell at His face, on His face, at the Lord's feet to give thanks. That's where I want to be. When we see Him, I think that's where we'll all be, those that know Him. At His feet, worshiping Him. And He said, and this is the... He had a special blessing for doing that. Did you know that? It says, And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I'm sure he had all the things that he wanted to do. He wanted to tell his family that he's been cleansed. He wanted to embrace his family. He wanted to tell what great things the Lord had done for him. But first things first, I want to thank the Lord. And the Lord said, Rise, your faith has made you well. Go your way. You see, to God, it says in, without faith it's impossible to please Him. But oh, that pleases Him when one shows faith. And so you might say, well, what does faith come in here? Well, this morning you, if you don't know the Lord, you're hearing about the Lord's love for you and for your soul. You're hearing about His desire to heal you and cleanse you of what is, in that day, leprosy, what we can see as sin today. It's sin. He wants to cleanse you of your sin. Where's faith come in? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? These men believed Jesus and it changed their life. They went, marched off toward the direction of the priest because they believed what Jesus said. And when they saw the result, they came back, or one came back and gave thanks. So what's God expecting of you? Just one thing. You believe Him. Just believe Him. That's it. Just believe Him. It's that simple. I believe that God loves me. I believe that He wants to heal me. I believe that when He died on the cross, He did it so that He can cleanse me from my sin. And simply believing that, I'm forgiven of my sins. It's a marvelous transaction that takes place. That's when you come into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can't compare with that. So I want to ask you this this Thanksgiving season, what are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? You know, it's interesting because when that guy turned back, his motive was gratitude. And when I think about it, gratitude really demands to demonstrate itself in action. It really does. Gratitude looks for ways to express itself. And we find that uh, expression in various ways. When you're thankful to somebody, you might bring them flowers, you might send them a thank you card. You might help them out in a special way. When I'm thankful for something or when I'm um, sorry for something and I really feel that way, I usually don't say it one time. Oh, I already said thanks. No. I say thanks and then I go back and say, you know, I really want to thank you. Because I want them to know that that's sincere and from the heart. I'm really sorry. Well, you already told me that. I know, but I really want you to know that I still pains me what I said or what I did. The Lord knows our heart, but he wants to hear it. The Lord knows if we're grateful or not, but gratitude really cries out to demonstrate itself. 
And little things we do and little things we say show to the Lord that we're grateful or we're not. So are we grateful this Thanksgiving? And so, number one uh, thing to be grateful for in my life is that, that I know the Lord. That I know the Lord. And there's lots to be thankful for. If, um, in times past, we've asked, or Don's asked people to come up and share what they're thankful for. And um, quite frankly, there's no end to the things we can be thankful for. I think I can speak on the behalf of everyone that knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that they're grateful that they do. They're grateful that they're a part of the family of God. They're grateful that they have a hope waiting for them at the end of life or if the Lord comes first, that they will meet Him and be with Him in glory, with the glorified body, never to feel pain, sorrow, sadness, sickness, forever and ever, learning more of the Lord, taking greater and greater joy in Him as the years roll by, knowing that He has taken responsibility for our lives and He will provide for us until that day. Year in, year out. He is faithful. He has given us a family that we can call the family of God that is there for us through thick and through thin that wasn't there before. Oh, how I love the Lord Jesus. And I know you do too if you know Him. The question is, which one of these lepers demonstrates our lives or, or, or describes our life are you more oftentimes forgetting that than remembering that I have to confess and those that know me know that this is sincere and it's accurate if it's not sincere that I tend to to cr- uh, grumble and complain I tend to see the negative before the positive and I, I believe one reason why he wanted me to speak today is so that he could speak to my heart not to look at the negative but the positive to see the blessings. And there's only one way that I can have victory in doing that. You know how that is? By having a grateful heart. By being thankful. Because when I'm thankful, it crowds out all grumbling and all complaining. I can't see the defects when I'm thankful. When I get in the shower and I'm enjoying that warm water, I'm saying, thank you, Lord, for hot water in my shower. I'm not worried about something else that's breaking down because I'm enjoying the shower. You know, and, and you'll see some pictures of people that are in a less fortunate circumstances than you'll find yourself. And I guarantee you, they have something to be thankful for. No matter where you are in life, how low you get, there's always something to be thankful for. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, there's always a lot to be thankful for. So I want to encourage you, this Thanksgiving season, to start thinking about what's most important, and that's eternity. And the invitation that the Lord Jesus Christ gives you if you don't yet know him. And if you know him, I hope you'll join with me in this goal that I have. To be thankful and to find expressions for that gratitude. Outward expressions. And that will help me have victory over things I complain about and groan and mumble about. And so, in closing, I'd like to get a look at these slides. We're going to turn the lights out. We're going to look at some slides. And we're going to give you time to think about the slides. And each one of the slides will tell you... will. You might want to move over to this side. There's plenty of seats over here. Each one of the slides will have a message for you individually, perhaps, something to be thankful for, um, whether it's seeing somebody in less circumstances than yourself or seeing ourselves in better circumstances through the following slide. After we go through these slides, I'll close in a word of prayer. Okay, let's dim the lights. Hope everybody can see these.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we take so much for granted. We want to thank you most of all for coming down from heaven, taking on human flesh to die on the cross for us, that we might be called sons of God, that we might have the promise of eternal life, that we might have eternal life. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for that. We think of how much it costs you, and we're grateful. We want to remember that first of all and foremost as Thanksgiving season comes. We want not to forget the daily blessings that you shower upon us. So many things we take, it, take for granted, our eyesight, the senses that you've given us, our smell, our hearing, the touch that you've granted us, the taste, mobility, Lord, even um, pleasant surroundings. We know there are many of your creatures that suffer greatly in this life. Lord, we just pray that we might take that which you've given us, return thanks to you, that you might be pleased by spending it, that we might spend it for others, Lord. So we just commit this time to you. Pray for anyone here that doesn't yet know you, that hasn't committed their life to you, that hasn't received forgiveness of their sins, eternal life, that they might have ears to hear, that you'd grant them eyes to see, that they might perceive that you're drawing near and that you see them, and that they might come out to meet you and bow before you and receive you as their Lord and Savior. We pray it and ask it in your name. Amen.